Hey guys, it's Kurt. Welcome back to Parenting Today. I know we're a few days late with episodes five and six of Stranger Things. John in this podcast is going to say that it's my fault, but I think we all know really whose fault it is. It's not mine. Anyway, uh, John and I are going to get into, uh, we're going to reminisce a little bit about RYM. We're going to reminisce about 80s cartoons uh, and the lessons that we learned therein. And we're going to really dive deep into episodes five and six and what happens there. Hopefully you're watching along with us. Even if you finished the season already, uh, if you've, uh, succumb to binging. Uh, I hope that you'll enjoy uh, recapping five and six and and talking about what we learned um, and what we've yet to learn. Uh, Anyway, here's John and I talking about Stranger Things. Hey everybody, we are back uh, with another episode of Parenting Today. As always, I'm with Kurt Cooper. Kurt, how's it going? Uh, Good to see you, John. Yeah, and sadly, we are seeing each other, but it's through a screen. Uh, We are no longer together at Laguna. Um, It was fun down there. It was great being together, but it was nice to get back home. How was it for your family? I I don't think we've totally recovered from it. I think (laughs) we're still on Laguna time. So the uh, It takes its toll. Every night, I... wait for uh, is it lasagna night is it taco is it taco for lunchtime I, I don't know so yeah it was actually really awesome um and it was really fun your kids my kids the Deegan's children um all the different people that were there getting to play and um and our families just getting to hang out it was a really good time so. yeah that was that was cool I mean seeing our two sons get to become really, I mean, BFFs yeah. in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, yes. so, yeah. Take a bunch of pictures in superhero poses. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was great. I mean, part, part of that's my fault. I had just taken Samuel and Sarah to see uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, yeah. So, you know, that was fresh on, on his mind, uh, <laughs> which I do have to say I did enjoy that. I know we, we've said this repeatedly on this podcast that we were kind of down on superhero movies and I, I wasn't, you know, just – excited about going and seeing the newest spider-man but i did enjoy it it was it was funny it was uh yeah a good summer movie um kurt i think we need to start off Uh, you know i know the last episode you talked about being the bastion of integrity uh we did not get to record uh an episode last week i know so just to continue to be that bastion of integrity do you want to tell everyone why is that, is that on you or is it on me? I don't remember. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I think, I feel like there's something like it could be my fault somehow, but I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. We, we just, we didn't get one. And, and I know I tried and I never really got a, um, a call back from you or a text well, I, and I just sat I by the phone. We I thought we said we were going to record on Thursday and then I never heard from you on Thursday. And I just figured, you know, that, <laughs> That somehow you'd fallen into the upside down and you, you'd come out. Yeah. Another... No, no. One of my friends texted today and he said, uh, no Stranger Things episode, question mark. Yeah. And I said, look, I'm putting it all on Kurt uh, because I reached out and I gave him some <laughs> options. He never get, got back with me. So I said, I'm call- yeah. I, I told him I'm calling you out at the beginning. Uh, That's since fine. I, since That's... I got called out in the last episode. That's uh, fair. For, for not following. <laughs> This isn't so, nearly the call out, so I'm fine with you. Just like you can do whatever you want. This isn't neat. I wish I could remember like, your quote like, of like being a cap- stone of like stability in the waves. Of I, you said something that was just classic, and I, I wish I could quote that back to you right now. Um, but it was good. It was good. And 
and it's already lagging too. And we're just starting this off. Uh, that's, that's probably not good. Yeah. Which stinks because you and I talked just a little bit before this, not, not planning out the episode, but we talked, we're able to catch up. But then right as we start, uh, our, our episode recording and now it's messing up. Uh, so sure. hopefully, hopefully we can make it. Yeah. All right. Well, John, it's fun to reminisce. I thought it was a good RYM season and, uh, things are, you know, we're still trying to get back in the groove of things and school is right around the corner. Um, but we've got a few more days of summer left. Um, and so I guess we should continue talking about summer blockbuster Netflix's summer blockbuster. Uh, do we want to mention the fact that Netflix is, um, had a really bad quarterly report. Uh, I'd love to hear about it because I did not know that. Yeah, their uh, their second quarter was bad, and uh, this uh, they've they've missed their uh, earnings expectations or uh, subscription expectations before. And Netflix doesn't really turn a profit, by the way. Um, they, they 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 all of the money that they receive is from stockholders based on their business continuing to grow and all the eyeballs. Um, that they have, um, that they get to put their things in, in front of. And so, uh, but they had, they actually lost subscribers last quarter. Um, they had a down for the first time and maybe in a really long time and maybe ever they lost subscribers and, uh, uh coming next year, uh, Netflix is about to, uh, have some real competition. Uh, Disney has got their app coming out. Um, I think Comcast, uh, I think uh, Fox uh, and Hulu are, are joining together on something. And so like uh, the, the wolves are out for Netflix, like the knives are out. Uh, you know, they're going to at the end of next year, they're going to lose the office um, and they're going to lose the friends before that at some point. Um, but a lot of people who make content are tired of Netflix uh, trading on their name, I guess. And so um, Netflix is going to have to really step up their game. Now, look, the thing that Netflix has, the advantage that Netflix has is they're, you know, the FedEx of this uh, place. You know, when you say I'm going to FedEx something or I'm going to Netflix something, you might be talking about Amazon Prime or Hulu. Oh, Apple has a service coming out too. But, you know, they are, you know, they're the Kleenex. You know, like a Kleenex is a name brand. What you mean is a tissue. So can you hand me a Kleenex? Like that, you know, and they have all the data too, by the way, is they, you know, they have their algorithms. Even I've, I've even read that um, some shows like anthology style shows uh, on Netflix, uh, the order that you receive them in is based on what they think you like. Um, not necessarily like if you, if it's something that doesn't have to be watched in order, they will put them in the order that they think you like, they, they are monitoring everything, all your watching habits and everything. And so they have all that information. They don't share it. So we don't need to be, uh, piling dirt on them just yet, but uh, there's some interesting things happening in the streaming world. And That's... a lot of people think that they're going to have a very good third quarter because of stranger things, mm. because stranger things is one of their bell cows. Um, one of the things that they hang their hat on. So anyway, that's, that's interesting to hear. I mean, you, you do wonder, I mean, yes, they were, I guess the, the pioneers you would say, is it what 2002, maybe when they came out, I know that's when that was kind of the envelope, you know, they were sending DVDs through uh, the mail and you know, they, they've had original movies that have competed for Oscars. And so they've kind of gotten their foot in the door in Hollywood and, you know, some notable actors have starred in their, Movies, but you do wonder. I mean, Disney uh, is pretty much taking over the world because they own Marvel and they own Star Wars. Uh, you know, so it's Disney now, Plus, isn't that right? Disney mm -hmm. Plus. But now, 
Disney signed some contracts with Netflix and like some things that are that Netflix like Marvel is not going away. Um, Netflix signed a deal for the Marvel stuff and it, the Disney app doesn't change that. The Disney app won't be able to have some of the Marvel stuff because they signed an exclusive deal with Netflix. So, and that, I mean like that, some of these deals go all the way to like 2026 and 2025. So some of that stuff is, um, you know, Netflix made hay in the time that they had and they signed some pretty sweet deals for some content. So again, let's not pour the dirt on them just yet, but um, there are a lot of people specifically, I think Disney is the big thing though, because they just have that uh, evergreen library of Disney movies and they have, they've had a network for, I don't know how long, 30, 40 years of the Disney channel. And those, you know, they, they can put all of that stuff up and there are going to be a lot of parents who use Netflix who are going to be conflicted. You know, Netflix's price just went up. It's $15 uh, a, a month now, I think, or something like that. And um, they're going to be asking themselves, do I really, do I really want to use Netflix or do I want to do Disney or do, can we afford to do both? Um, because there, Disney has a ton of stuff, um, a ton of stuff. So I don't know. That'll be interesting to Disney. see. Yeah. Disney's going to buy Netflix. That's what it is. Money, well, money talks, right? They're taking well, over. I mean, if anyone could buy Netflix, it would be Apple. I think they have more cash than many countries in the world, like on hand. So, um, if Dis if Apple, you know, one day if Apple decides that they want to do that, uh, they could definitely buy. Um, they could definitely buy Netflix, hmm. and you know, with Apple's, um, you know, the market's pretty saturated with smartphones. You can only sell people so many smartphones, um, and you only come out with new things every once in a while. They got to be thinking of another way to change their bottom line. So, hmm. who knows? We could we could see um, something like that. You could see some conglomerations. It would be really interesting. That's look. Interesting I conversation. I know, no, this is, I think it's interesting. I enjoy hearing that, Kurt. I'm glad you were, uh, knew some of that information to be able to talk about. But we know people didn't tune in to hear about Apple, Disney, uh, what's going to happen to Netflix. But episode, what, five and six? Five. The Flame. The Flame. I'm going to take us through episode five really quickly, just as a quick recap. To talk about we're going to hit the highlights, not every single thing, but you feel free to interrupt at any moment if you want to make some comments about things that happen. Yeah. If you'll remember, episode four ends uh, with uh, the ice cream crew, as I'm going to call them. Um, Steve, Robin, Erica, and, and Dustin uh, flying down the elevator. They make their way into the elevator, and the elevator begins to plummet. They find uh, some green ooze. We're not really sure what that is at this point. Um, and even some people think, I think Erica even wants to drink it because she's thirsty at one point in this episode, or that could be in the next episode, but they are flying down the elevator. But what they discover is that there's a secret Russian base underneath Starcourt mall. Uh, and, uh, they're, they've got to find a place to hide, uh, to figure out what's going on. There's a really long hallway. I remember that they walked down for a significant portion of this episode and, um, they, the, it's obvious they're, they're piecing it together. They haven't got all the puzzle pieces together, but between when we get to watch the different teams in action, because we've been able to watch Joyce and Hopper as well, we know that Mayor Klein is in cahoots with the Russians and the Russians are using the Starcourt Mall as cover to do some upside down, uh, 
research, whatever that may be, to open up the upside down or to weaponize the upside down or who knows what they're doing. But they're obviously doing something. And our ice cream crew has got to hide and figure it out. Um, at the same time, Hopper and Joyce are uh, – they uh, have gotten a, a Russian scientist named Alexei uh, who speaks only Russian. And they have to um, – Smirnoff. Hmm? Smirnoff. Smirnoff. Isn't and, that his, his nickname, Smirnoff? I think so. Okay, yeah. yeah. And um, for the vodka. So, yes, yeah. but, but they, uh, they're, on a, uh, they're on a race out of the state of uh, Indiana. They're headed uh, to our favorite conspiracy theorist house, Murray. They, uh, they, they uh, hijack a car. Uh, the Todd father is the vanity plate on that car from a guy yes. named Todd. And, uh, and they've got uh, – Flat top, choke slam, um, evil uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger fill in, uh, chasing after them or on their trail. Uh, but they're headed to Murray, uh, Conspiracy Theory Murray's house, uh, because Conspiracy Theory Murray, of course, speaks Russian and uh, can talk to uh, Alexei Smirnoff or whatever uh, uh, to figure out what's going on. Um, then you've got. Uh, the adventure with uh, the other crew. Uh, that would be Will, Lucas, Mike, Max, and L. Um, and they are going to join up with uh, Nancy and Jonathan. So two of our storylines are, are joining together, or two of our teams. Nancy and Jonathan are teaming up now with the, uh, with the fifth Will team. That's what I'll call that team, Lucas and Max and Mike and L and then Will. Uh, they're all combining powers. Uh, Nancy and uh, Jonathan have been uh, fired from the Hawkins Post, and uh, and they're on a they're on a mission to try to figure out what's going on with uh, uh, Mrs. Driscoll and with uh, Billy and all these kinds of things. So, and also what's happening here, not necessarily related to the plot, is that you've got some relationships, some some fences are being mended. Uh, Jonathan is uh, trying to work, get back together with Nancy after they had that big blow up in episode four. And then uh, Mike and Elle are trying to, uh, Elle is kind of extending the olive branch to Mike. She uh, shakes the vending machine uh, when uh, his Kit Kat gets uh, caught, as those vending machines tend to do. And, uh, and he ends up giving her uh, an M&M. And there's a little bit, that, it takes a little longer for them to get back together than it does uh, Nancy and Jonathan. Nancy and Jonathan seem to get back together a little bit faster, but that's, uh, that's going on as well. Um, yeah. This is also that this episode ends with one of the grossest, like <laughs> scarier scenes in is when Nancy and Jonathan are confronted by um, uh, Busey's character. I can't remember his I name. I think it's Bruce. Yeah. Bruce. Bruce and um, Heather's dad, uh, the Tom, I think is his name, the, the, their boss at the Hawkins Post. They're confronted at the hospital, and uh, they, they melt down and mold and meld into – they become ooze, and they, they turn into this creature that's able to slide under the door and attack Nancy. Uh, there's all kinds of this – is, this is one of the, I would say, more intense and scary episodes. I think it ends 
with the monster uh, turning into ooze and then sliding down the drain, leaving nothing but like a bone hanging on the drain. I think that's actually the next episode. Oh, my bad. My bad. I'm sorry. Well, that's about to happen. And they're back at the hospital and that's about to happen, which leads us into episode six. And I apologize. No, Um, no, you're good. And look, you you do so much better at, at recapping than I do. So jump in as much as you want because, yeah, like you said, okay, they beat up. Bruce, who's Jake Busey's mm-hmm. character, and Tom yeah. Holloway. I think you got the names right. You, yeah. you know, the two of them are possessed. They're kind of zombie looking. I mean, you can mm-hmm. uh, tell they're, you know, they're being controlled. And what's interesting that we do find out in, in your episode was that when one of them gets hit, the other one feels it. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you found that kind of, you know, connection between, okay, the flay might be breaking or the mind flare might be breaking into multiple people, but it's still one entity, you know, feeling kind of the effects of the other. And so also classic flashback to eighties cartoons. If you grew up in the eighties, like I did, I don't know if anyone remembers uh, G. I. the G.I. Joe cartoon, but there were a set of twins on the bad guy team on Cobra. And if you hit one, the other one would feel it too. Nice. Uh, classic, classic nice reference. Yeah, man. Anyway. Love some G.I. Joe. Yeah, and so, yes, very disgusting as uh, the two, Tom and Bruce, get <laughs> killed. Uh, one gets, Tom gets stabbed in the throat, I believe, with some scissors uh, by Jonathan. And then Nancy is kind of bashing Bruce's head in. And they both die, but then their bodies kind of begin to shake and then melt. And this blob kind of comes together, uh, as you said in, in your episode, and it creates this you know, fairly large... Is this the mind flare? Is that what we'd say? Or, yeah, or is this the rat, the rat King? Is that what we're referring back to? to uh, our episode one. Know that. <laughs> yes. And so it ends with it screaming at Nancy. That's right. That's the cliffhanger. Yes. That's the cliffhanger of my, of episode five. Yes. Right. And then so I, I doubt there's anybody out there and we'd love to hear from you. If you actually watched that episode and it ended with this creature screaming and then you didn't immediately watch episode six. Uh, I would wonder, yeah, if anyone had the, the self-control not to just continue watching after that. And then of course this thing begins to, to chase Nancy and Jonathan and corners, um, Nancy, right? Somehow. Yeah. Because Nancy and Jonathan yeah. are separated in the hallway of the hospital There's <laughs> creatures in between the two of them. And she gets cornered into a room. Uh, but then Elle comes to the rescue and destroys the the creature. And as Kurt said, this thing ends up going out the window, I believe, and then Mm -hmm. going down into a uh, drainage uh, ditch and uh, a bone is kind of left behind. So yeah, that's kind of the goriness that Kurt was referring to. You realize that this blob is made out of uh, several bodies uh, from the mind flare, which is, yeah, some of the grossest, I guess, parts of the whole season, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but but as you said, Steve and Robin, uh, they've been uh, definitely growing closer, becoming friends, and maybe a little bit more than friends at this point. We don't know. Uh, but then they get captured uh, as they you know descended down this elevator, and uh, they they get tortured uh, in in your episode and mine. Isn't that correct? Mm-hmm. And I sh- should go ahead and say I'm forgetting a lot of this because it's been a little while. Uh, but yeah, it's a little, I think a little over the top. I mean, as we're talking about some of the violence in the episode, I mean, if, if Steve is a, what, 18 or 19 year old and he's getting beaten by soldiers who we would assume are, are fairly uh, stronger than him and older uh, than him, it just seems that he wouldn't really be able to withstand. I mean, he's been beat up in every single 
season uh, to, I mean, a pretty graphic degree where he's got, you know, a lot of blood dripping down the side of his face and uh, all that. So it's it's pretty extreme, them getting beat up. But then Dustin and Erica come to the rescue. They save the two of them with, I believe, a cattle pride, uh, if I'm correct on that. Uh, and then, you know, as you said, Hopper, Joyce, Murray uh, interrogate Alexi slash Smirnoff. Uh, they continue that, and that's when I think this is one kind of uh, way in which Hopper is kind of redeemed in his thinking. When doesn't Alexi try to run off at this point? That Hopper's tired of just you know accommodating him with absolutely everything, giving him you know the I think he got him a cherry slurpee, yes. and Alexi wanted a strawberry slurpee, and then Hopper just loses it and just throws him out and gives him the keys of the car. Everyone's freaking out that, you know, Lexi's about to get away, about to go back to the camp, but Hopper's saying, no, that he's playing us and we're not going to continue to just serve him hand and foot. And it turns out Hopper's right. Just as you begin to think, okay, Alexi's leaving. Uh, Joyce is right. Uh, Murray's right. Uh, Hopper's wrong. Alexi's getting away. He then stops the car and comes back. Um, and so, yes, Hopper's a little redeemed in that situation. And then we also, in this episode, find out... Yeah, and I think... I think that's also like Hopper kind of displaying his police chops too, because this is not his first interrogation of someone. So it's also like, Hey guys, I know when I, when someone's trying to play me just to get things like this is something that I'm kind of used to. So exactly. um, Yeah. This isn't his first rodeo. And he says something along those lines as well. And we we also get a little bit of the backstory on Billy. Uh, L is able to see just some of, uh, we, we saw a little bit of Billy's, abusive uh, or being you know he was abused as a child in episode or season three i'm sorry season two and then we see a little bit more of that in this season as well uh, that his father was abusive to him that uh, he was torn away from his mother and uh, their relationship was uh, ruined and uh, we're never able to to reconnect i believe you kind of just see some glimpses of that but it makes us and reminds us billy although possessed and the villain in this uh, season also had a rough past and it gives you some sympathy for him uh, also for max as she's watching all this occur uh, to her brother um something too just as i'm looking at this vulture article uh some <laughs> a kind of side note that they throw out here um is that they say it's weirdly refreshing how much smoking happens on the show they said not that you should smoke they said don't it's bad for you and tobacco companies are evil but the mpaa's crackdown has meant that even the briefest depiction of smoking, even period-appropriate smoking, will earn a film an R rating, to the point that movies have take, uh, taken to whitewashing the past. So not Stranger Things, in which er- seemingly every adult appears to have a butt in hand at all times. Again, don't do it, but they're saying you know, the, the 70s Hopper and Joyce are probably suffering all <laughs> kinds of health problems and making that joke but they're saying this is the 80s done right that they're being accurate in this depiction you know we've seen them at the newspaper at the hawkins post as well as just hopper chain smoking and so netflix i guess just said they're you know they're pressing forward uh, because you know this is an original series they don't have to submit to the mpaa's regulations i guess isn't that correct i guess they're just not going yeah, to well, submit I, think that. I think both things i think they also have said they're going to try to have less smoking on the show hmm in the future too, that that's been one of the major criticisms. Just, I just think that's, um, anyway, we don't have time to get into, uh, what we seem to throw a fit about versus what we are just 
you know, it's, we're totally fine with, but yeah. Uh, but well, yeah, well, these, I mean, look, and I'm not sitting here trying to defend smoking in any way, shape or form, but that's what they did in the eighties. So I, I, I don't know it, this idea that we're going to relitigate the past and then all of our art that's set in the past has to use the mores and the values and the cultural, um, mandates of 2019 or 2020, uh, in 1960, 1980, 1868, it's just absolutely, it's, I'm, it's so tiresome. It's so, so tiresome. Before we go yeah. too far down that, I, I agree with you. The next episode is going to get into some of that, I think, with a, oh, yeah. a storyline that they brought up. And so let's let's maybe save that discussion for Absolutely. the next episode, our next episode of episode seven and eight. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I guess asking you, what did you think of these two episodes? And I'll just go ahead and lay my cards on the table and say, I began to grow a little tired of season three and episode five and episode six. Uh, yes, there were some, some tense moments. Yes, there were some scary aspects to it. There were some, you know, interesting maybe storylines, but, uh, I don't know. I just was kind of getting a little tired of it. And maybe some of it was just, uh, the fact that we were down at Laguna beach and we had been fairly busy, uh, doing a lot with, staff staying up late, all that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe that was part of it, but, uh, yeah, I was a little tired. I think as I got to these two episodes, what, what did you think of them? Well, I actually really liked, um, I, 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 I think one of the high moments of the season is the hospital battle. Uh, that, it, that really felt like an intense, uh, part. I would say that the ice cream cruise story at this point is what's stale. Um, I agree. you know, it would have been one thing for them to just spy and then leave, but the fact that they're caught and then somehow they escape, it becomes, it makes the threat of the Russians seem very, uh, ridiculous that they could get away from them that easily. Uh, and that Dustin and Erica could come in and save the day. I realize why they have to do it for the plot because in future episodes, they're going to need to know the inner workings of that, uh, of that area in order to execute the plan that they're going to take hold of. But, and, and in light of that, I would agree that this is kind of the stale uh, plot line. And yeah, I just haven't enjoyed that as much. And yeah, it seems fairly unrealistic, as you just said, that these children are able to outsmart the Soviets. But I do wonder if that's an intentional throwback to the 80s, that you have oh, these I, kind of Goonie type movies, as we've referenced before. Toy soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you wonder, I guess Red Dawn, you know, we could throw that one yeah. in there. Uh, we're, we're children. There's, are some, able. there's some very red Dawn. There's some obvious red Dawn throwbacks in the series. Certainly. Yeah. Some homages. Uh, but I guess my thing is, is that I just think Dustin is kind of wasted on, on this crew on, on the ice cream crew. And I, I really enjoyed his interactions when he does get back in later episodes, when he does get back with the, with his friends, I feel like he can kind of shine again. And he's one of my favorite characters. And I think a lot of people's favorite characters. And I feel like, like Steve and Dustin, they've not been saddled with Robin and Erica, but it just seems like their separation from the rest of the group for whatever reason has been a little stale um, in comparison. Well, I think what would turn out to be a surprise last season was uh, Steve and Dustin just coming together and having a friendship. And so that seemed to, to 
be reviewed fairly, you know, positively, and most people like that. So I'm sure in this season they were trying to think of a way to have these two paired off with each other and then, you know, introduced Erica, even though she was, you know, a smaller character in season one, but then introducing Robin as well along with them. So I'm sure that was an aspect of it. But, but yeah, it does – you've kind of lost some of that, um, just aspects of their, their friendship and their, their relationship. And so I agree it's refreshing when they're finally – back with the original Dungeons and Dragons crew. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you got some thoughts about Jonathan and Nancy. And yeah. I, yeah, one, I hear. yeah. One thing that I thought was interesting, I mean, we've said how, you know, many of the males have been depicted negatively in this story. And we both have gone on record saying we're, we're fine with that, that it's okay to, to depict males negatively, but sometimes it can be a little on the nose. It can be a little, just redundant and yeah, it just can get, can get a little old uh, to see that. And and I know that the argument between Jonathan and Nancy, they both brought up good points when they're in the car and they're going back and forth and you could kind of see some of the, um, the argument that both of them were making and could sympathize with both sides. Uh, but then in your episode, Kurt, I guess episode five that you recapped, mm-hmm. you know, Jonathan apologizes uh, to Nancy and admits how wrong he was. And Nancy just says something to the degree of, well, I hope next time you'll just never disagree with me or you'll know that I'm always right or, or something along those lines. And, you know, I thought it was interesting how that was portrayed. He was wrong. She was right. And to me, you know, in that scene, I would say that the world would say, okay, Nancy was right. She's maybe the hero in that moment. And we would kind of cheer Nancy being just correct about the assumptions assumptions that she had had made. But I would say, you know, it was interesting to, to see Jonathan's strength and the fact that he just admitted he was wrong. And we, we both know it's hard to say I'm wrong. It's hard to say, I'm sorry. It's hard to apologize. It's hard to ask for forgiveness. And the, that actually takes strength. And so I was just curious, you know, in that scene, as you saw that, Kurt, do you think, uh, you know, as the world would watch that, and I know you, this is, we can't ultimately know what the world would think, but do you think there was a portrayal of Jonathan being strong in that moment when he admitted he was wrong? I don't know. I I, I don't know about that particular scene, but I will say this. Jonathan and Nancy don't have great on-screen chemistry. And uh, I felt like uh, they, their relationship is, it's not the, I'm just not as uh, there. I don't find them as interesting of a couple as I found um, as I found Steve and Nancy, and uh, and that's because I feel like Jonathan is a little too wise and a little too on the note. Uh, he's a little too um, he, he's just very uh, of all the male characters in this show. He's the one that's the most relatable, the most understandable. Now, I shouldn't say relatable, but he seems to have the fewest flaws of everybody. Um, he doesn't – he works hard. He's understanding. He listens. He doesn't really um, – he doesn't have – he's not vain like Steve is vain. He's not an idiot. He kind of knows his own weaknesses. And it's kind of interesting because Nancy is trying to fight this fight for women's equality um, you know, in the workplace. And uh, and Jonathan is wants to support her, but he's also – trying to keep his job and, you know, he's looking for a career and how to make it. And I don't know, I don't find him weak in any way. Um, 
you know, I don't know, don't know what they're trying to say about him, but I did think that she did not come off great in that interaction. Um, I think they're trying to establish, which, you know, like that women need to stick up for themselves, which is fine. That's good. They should stick up for themselves. But Jonathan is so solidly in Nancy's corner. And like, it feels like you're preaching. She's preaching to the choir a little bit. Like, yeah. um, and he wasn't all the way wrong either. Like she doesn't know what it's like to mm-hmm. be in his situation. And so I don't know. I feel like it was a little contrived how quickly they got back together and um, and how he kind of had to just eat it, even though it wasn't totally his fault um, what was going on. So yeah. I'm sure someone will come back and say, well, of course, Jonathan's comfortable in that environment because he's a male and he has all this privilege and all that. And like, I don't want to get into all that. I just think that Jonathan's a pretty good boyfriend to Nancy and he could – like, and I think the two actors don't really have great chemistry and I wonder what they're going to do with, uh, with them in the future. So. Yeah. Let me say this to that. And I don't want to spend this entire episode talking about Jonathan and Nancy, because I agree that they're probably two of my least favorite characters in the show, but it's interesting that you said how, how noble he is that, you know, Jonathan is just kind of a bland kind of boring character to me, but you think about, you know, the fact that he's, basically, you know, helped raise Will and he's helped, um, Nan- not Nancy, I'm sorry, Joyce as well as, you know, they have a loser, uh, father and husband that you see in, um, mm-hmm. uh, season two and just how much maturity and responsibility he's taken on him. But it's interesting that he's more boring to us than like a Steve and Steve mm-hmm. in real life is this vain, just kind yeah. of, I mean, and, and it, if we knew Steve in real life, I mean, he would probably drive us crazy, but he's got this charisma to him that kind of just attracts us to him, makes us laugh. But then a kind of noble character in a sense, is just kind of boring to us. And that's just mm-hmm. interesting that as we're watching, you know, a story unfold and we're watching these characters that we're more drawn to the one that we probably kind of hate in real life. Well, <laughs> you know what I think it is, John, is that Jonathan's faults aren't apparent to us. And that's what makes him boring. He can be noble. He can be noble, but like a real character, like a real person, uh, can be a noble person. And yet they're still going to have, because, you know, we know this because of the scriptures and because of every, every person, um, outside of Christ who's ever lived is that they have sin. Right. And they have, they have these problems. I'm thinking about like Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad and how Jesse Pinkman, you know, starts out as a very flawed, uh, broken character. And toward the end of Breaking Bad, he is the most noble and honorable and trustworthy and earnest one in the whole show. And he starts out the show as a drug dealer and like, and he does a lot of noble things at the end because he actually has a conscience versus, you know, his foil, Walter White, who doesn't. And like, and that's what makes that show interesting. That's what makes that character interesting is that Jesse Pinkman is noble, but he also, we know his flaws. And the thing about Jonathan that makes him boring is that he's noble, but we don't know anything about what's wrong with him. Like, we don't know anything about his brokenness. We only know him as like the supportive, you know, victim, um, the kind, wise, supportive. And I, I think, you know, this is like character building 101 is that you, you have to have, we have to see um, both sides in order for us to really be connected to a character. And that's what makes Steve so compelling actually is that Steve is kind of a ego maniac and a jerk and at the beginning, but his kindness to Dustin humanizes him. So we, we understand that he's a jerk, right? We understand that part. We understand that he's vain. We understand that, you know, high school was the best part of his life and we might know someone like that. But we also see that he's not 
awful. Like that there's also good parts of him, like because and that makes him more real for us, which is why he's more charismatic on the screen. So anyway, I think that's uh, well, thanks. Well, I think we've (laughs) I I think we've we've done a lot. Do you have any more thoughts? I know we want to move on. um, We don't want to. Yeah, I was going to throw it back at you because I think, uh, you know, maybe in the next, I don't know, five minutes, start winding this up a little bit or winding this down. Um, that's mm-hmm. the reverse. Uh, can, can you think of any major things that happened in episode five and six that were just kind of some interesting themes to pick up on? I know it seems like we're going to have a lot more in episode seven and episode eight as we, we wrap up the, the whole season discussing this. Uh, but any major things pop up that you kind of wanted to, to discuss or that were interesting to you? Well, I've just some nostalgia things, but that's it. It's just that all the different things in the mall are fantastic. Uh, you know, and we see more and more of the mall as this, this show goes on, but you know, from Sam Goody, I just remember as a nineties, when I, my adolescence was in the nineties in the, uh, when the days of the mall were dying and, or the, the beginning of the death of, brick and mortar stores. Um, Amazon had not, Amazon was just still selling books, you know, you know, when I was 18, 19 years old, but, uh, or, you know, but, uh, but just like the idea of going to the, the record store, like the Sam Goody, um, to get your rec, to get, to buy your CD or your tape or your album or whatever. And, uh, that just will never get old to me. The jazzercise class, uh, that's not in this episode, <laughs> but, um, just, the the nostalgia is so strong um and they they are they play um they're they're playing the nostalgic notes about as well as you can play them yeah and 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 i I do want to maybe give some slight pushback on that because we know i mean really we, we said that that's probably one of the major aspects that made stranger things popular to begin with was the nostalgia i mean just the theme of that you know coupled with the underdogs the nerds being the the heroes uh, the relationships that were there. Um, you know, I think they've kind of led to the phrase being created as I talked about, I think in episode one of our podcast card of nostalgia porn, um, mm-hmm. that is just so over the top that they're just trying to use nostalgia, uh, to, to draw you in and get you to like something. It seems kind of like just a, a cheap way. Okay. Like, you know, maybe the, the season or the episodes going along and the writers are just thinking, okay, this is a little dry. Let's think of something we can throw in here that everyone will be like, oh yeah, I remember that. And I know I'm getting a little bit ahead because episode seven, episode eight, they bring in some, some songs that connect to some movies that are popular. I want to say maybe in this one, uh, people can correct me if I'm wrong, either five or six, they have the theme music to back to the future on it. And I know it's been referenced already. Do you feel like it's a little over the top? Like it's kind of, they're going back to that well a little too well, often. I don't, I don't think it's over the top. And the reason I don't is because I think the eighties is the last generation before sarcasm and, um, irony took over in our culture. You know, um, the, uh, in the nineties are marked by, uh, everybody is, I mean, like the nineties have an entire genre of music called alternative in other words it's an alternative to what is going on like what the radio is playing in the 80s is the last time i think in american culture where people weren't really looking for an alternative where there was kind of as close to a monoculture there wasn't a monoculture but there's as close to a monoculture as you can have and so i think that they are just trying to squeeze every last drop out of that because once sarcasm hits and once 
you know, an episode like Seinfeld could have, I mean, a show like Seinfeld could have never survived in, uh, in the eighties. It would have failed completely. A show about nothing, a show where all we do is make fun of things. And, um, in the eighties, I think the rule on Seinfeld was no hugging and no learning. Like no one was ever able to learn anything and no one was ever allowed to hug. And, um, or there was no like, uh, and, and you see that in the characters and then like in the, in the eighties, uh, you know, everything had a lesson. We've already referenced GI Joe, but all my GI Joe cartoons that I watched as a kid at the end had a, uh, had some kind of lesson like, Hey, never hide in a, uh, old refrigerator. Cause you can get locked in. Well, and no, knowing's half the battle, Kurt. Yeah. Knowing is half the battle. Amen. So I, it doesn't bother me so much that they're really like trying to squeeze that, you know, squeeze as much of it, out, squeeze as much nostalgia as they can out of it. Cause I think, you know, I don't know how long the show is going to go on if the next season is truly the last season. But once they hit once they hit the '90s, then the nostalgia will not be nearly as powerful. Yeah. Um, well, and I'm not trying to nitpick, but Seinfeld did start in 1989, just for the record. Sure. But it was towards the tail end, and I completely agree with yeah. with, with what you're saying. I just know somebody's going to be out there listening and and want to just correct us. Um, so I listen, go. that's one thing I wanted to say before we close is that I've, I just saw someone who listens to our podcast. It always amazes me when people say they listen to the podcast, but I saw someone, um, my, my former coworker, uh, Mary Cam Shaw, I saw her and, uh, and her precious new baby, Mary Louise, um, uh, at the church, uh, just today. And she said, I was listening to the podcast and she said what I've heard multiple people who've listened to the podcast say, which is this. Every time that we can't think of a name, the people who are listening to us are like screaming that name. They're like, <laughs> we're like Nancy and that guy. And they're like, Jonathan, Jonathan, his name is Jonathan. So um, we should do that more on purpose. We should purposely uh, miss people's names so that pe- people can can have that fun screaming at us. Um, thank you, all of you listeners. <laughs> just, to, just, to drive, yeah, just to drive them crazy. I think some of <laughs> yeah. it is. It's different when you're sitting down just having a conversation, but then when there's a microphone in your face and you know it's being recorded, you start to second guess yourself and it's like, wait, mm-hmm. you know, is this name right? Um, but yeah. yeah, it's it's fun to kind of drive some of those people crazy. Yeah, we did get a text from some people saying that they were going crazy because, and I can't remember if we've already clarified this, when we talked about... 11 sister I, I called her 10 i believe that was her number and she was eight, right? yeah she was number eight and yeah you know the person was going crazy that i got it wrong and we appreciate that it's it's nice to be uh corrected yeah. and um, we we enjoy enthusiastic correction like that absolutely um, if you if we don't enjoy where someone says hey seinfeld actually started in 1989 why <laughs> That's missing the force for especially, the trick. Especially when it's me that brings that up. Kurt <laughs> loves that. Yeah. Um, well, look, I know we're going to start wrapping this up. Kurt, what, what did you think about Billy's uh, side story? Kind of just giving some of his backstory, letting you know a little bit more about his rough upbringing. What, what were your thoughts on that? Well, they got to do it is the bottom line is that it doesn't make sense for us to hate Billy and for him to be the villain unless he's the tortured villain. And so, I mean, that was really necessary. Um, and we're going to, I think we're going to see that that like that is going to play an important role later on. Uh, the, the humanizing, when I was talking about Jesse Pinkman, like the humanizing of the villain is important. and makes him a real character. Um, you know, that's what makes, uh, Darth Vader so compelling. It makes what Lord Voldemort so compelling is these are, they're villains and great villains. In fact, I would say those are two of the best ever. But the thing about him is, is that we know a little bit about their backstory and their tortured, like the, the tortured path that led them to the place where they were. And you have to have that um, in order to really 
have a like a fully formed villain. This is why we don't care what happens to Flat Top McChokeslam or whatever his name is. Like he's a completely we don't care about him at all. We just know he's the bad guy. And when he dies, it won't even be you know that big of a deal. But whatever happens to Billy in episode seven and eight, um, and if he makes it or doesn't make it. Now we're a little more invested in that game because now we know that like Billy is not just the bad guy um, or not just the womanizer that also he's got some things going on. So, which how hilarious if season four of Stranger Things was all about flat top chokeslam guy. Like it just went back and gave you his backstory, eight episodes on why he's the way he is. Um, which, which uh, Grigori, I think is his name. Um, if I'm saying that. Correct. I'm gonna go ahead and predict that if they that the Duffer Brothers do that, that Netflix is uh, Netflix is done. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I agree. There's an there's an article that I read years ago about some of the villains in Pixar films and why they are great villains, and it shows just the complexity of their backstory. I mean, I'm just thinking of Syndrome, you know, from Inc- uh-huh. Incredibles. I mean, tragic to think he was this child who looked up to. Mr. Incredible, and then was kind of neglected by Mr. Incredible, mistreated, and then became this this horrible villain. Uh, it's really sad when you consider that story. But some of the the Pixar villains are, are some of the most well thought out. I mean, that's an over. I mean, to, to talk, <laughs> Pixar is just phenomenal in so much of what it does. Um, so anyway, Kurt, any last remarks before we close this one out and then pick up on. Excited for next week to talk about the culmination, episode seven and eight. But thank you guys for joining us. And uh, John, uh, good thoughts. And I look forward to talking with you about the last one. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll also end, as we end, you know, this season three talking about Stranger Things, we'll give a preview for season four of Parenting Today and where we're planning on heading and where we plan when we plan to launch so we'll be uh, giving that to our listeners kurt have a good day see you john kurt's a liar